Maybe if you don't want to talk, you could just listen. And you, as always, are listening to Dimed Out, and this is Season 2, Episode 4. And this week, I am joined by another special guest. Her name is Sapphire Gia. At least I believe that's how you pronounce her surname. Sapphire, if you're listening and I've butchered your surname, I am so sorry. It's a regular occurrence, as listeners will know, that, you know, my pronunciation of certain things does tend to skew a little bit of course, sometimes. So yeah, if I got that wrong, I do apologise. But I'm going to be sitting down with Sapphire to talk about her new book, Survive. It is a memoir based on real-life occurrences, and it's absolutely mind-boggling to think that it is based on real-life occurrences. If you haven't got the book, you haven't read it yet, then you definitely need to get a copy. You can find it on Amazon and various other places in ebook format and traditional format too. It's not required reading for the episode. You don't need to have read the book before listening to this. It does help a little bit because you kind of have a broader idea of certain things that we're going to be touching on. But because we're not getting too much into specifics and details, it's not that you need to have read it beforehand. Although I do highly encourage you do go and get a copy of it either before or afterwards, at some point. Partly because of the way that it's written. It is really well written, but also more to the point because of just how unfathomable this whole thing is. And it's it's absolutely mind-boggling to think that this is a memoir and not a piece of fiction. To sort of extrapolate on that and to give you a sort of boiled-down, condensed version of what's happening in the story without giving too much away... The story is, as I said, a memoir. It is based on real events, and the real events in the book see Sapphire at age 11, who at that point has lived, I think it's fair to say, a very unconventional life of off-grid living, and sort of more of a survivalist-esque lifestyle. She has a sort of complicated relationship with her family unit, which consists of five people, her, her mother, her father, her younger brother, and her older brother, Paul, who is deaf. He is 19, she is 11, and I think her younger brother is 6. So she's the middle child in this dynamic, which is living this, as I say, very unconventional life. At the age of 11, Sapphire and her family are making this move to a cabin in the Yukon wilderness. Things happen on the move, and these events then lead, ultimately, and I'm kind of skirting around certain things here, lead to Sapphire and her older deaf brother, Paul, to go on a trek. I think it's 26 miles out into the Arctic wilderness, freezing cold temperatures, freezing cold conditions, with barely any supplies or provisions to go get more supplies and provisions. They are the last hope for their family's survival. And she and her older brother go on this incredible journey to get these supplies and go through such physical, emotional and mental hardships. I'm going to leave my description of it there because I feel like that's enough of a base to cover the idea of what it is the book is about, what we're going to be talking about, so you kind of have a sort of broad enough understanding of the story at hand of the real-life encounter that has been sort of put into this memoir. Yet, at the same time, I'm leaving you enough to discover and experience when it is that you go and get your copy of Survive, right? Because you're going to do that right guys you totally should as i said it's a definite must read it's gripping it flows so well and it is just a truly unique and remarkable story but i'm not going to talk any more about it by myself let's jump into it this is me talking to sapphire gia again hopefully that's how you pronounce the surname about her memoir her unbelievable story survive does it feel at this point now that the book has been done has been finished is being released and is now available for the world to see how are you feeling now that you're at this stage um that's a great question i'm actually surprised at how um 
kind of exhausted I am. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of an, <laughs> it was a bit of an emotional roller coaster in the sense of, you know, I didn't know what to expect. And so everything was such a new learning process and I just wasn't really sure, you know, so when it happened, it was so exciting and I just, I felt overwhelmed, happy, joyful. And, you know, now on the other side of it, I'm just so thankful and so blessed and I'm just kind of a big breath, you know, just relaxing. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of, kind of fitting considering when you read through the book. Uh, you kind of go through a myriad of similar emotions. So it's kind of fitting that you're kind of feeling that at this stage as well. <laughs> yeah. Before we get into it, because I, I could tell uh, listeners what to expect from the book, but I feel like considering it's not just a creative project for you, but this is a deeply personal story that's been pulled from real events. I feel the mm-hmm. best person to actually tell listeners what the book is about and what they can expect would be you. So, yeah, what can listeners who are going to go and pick up a copy of Survive, because I I know they're going to do that, uh, what can they expect when they get their copy? Well, like you said, um, it's an adventure. It's a myriad of emotional um, ups and downs throughout the whole story. Um, It is on a very personal level. You know, it was kind of hard for me to, when I started the process, detach I'm being almost a little bit robotic because I was trying to avoid kind of really getting to the nitty gritty of it for a while. Uh-huh. Um, and then once I um, really got into it is when the emotional context really started to flow and things started happening. And so readers, I think, will be able to feel that and really kind of almost be there in the moment. Um, yeah, for sure. I, think. <laughs> I, I can I can tell you guys from experience. Yeah, you will you will feel uh, as as much as possibly uh, you can without actually enduring uh, what occurs in the book. You will feel like you're there for sure. It's something that should be emphasized, I think, for people going into the book. This is this is not fiction. This is a nonfiction memoir, right? Yes, absolutely. And I think I've even heard, had feedback um, where. I had a few people read it and they're like, this can't be true. I'm I'm like, I I wish it wasn't, but it is true. Yeah. You you wish you could say that, but you're just like, I'm assuring you. Yes. This this did actually happen. Um, it, It is really quite a remarkable story. In, in a lot of ways. And, you know, having, having read the book, having finished it just this weekend, uh, it, it really is quite, as they say, remarkable. And there are points where it's just like, wow. Because it really does feel at points high stakes, high drama, there's plenty of obstacles and conflict. And it comes from a very unique perspective. You know, it's, it's a unique and remarkable situation for anybody to find themselves in, let alone an 11-year-old who is having to take care of their older brother during this. And I feel like unless you've actually gone through something like that, which I feel you may be in a very small minority, Sapphire, of people that have. <laughs> You can't really truly relate, but in in some ways you can from the emotional perspective because I feel like it, although it's contained into uh, a quest is how I put it in my notes because it mm-hmm. feels like it's a quest. Uh, <laughs> it opens itself up to a lot more universal subjects, but yet at the same time never kind of strays too far from its uh, singular focus. So yeah, I think you did a, a great job at, at throwing the reader into a sense of physical and emotional sort of turmoil, despite, as I say, the, the experience of the quest itself not being that universal. So, yeah, congratulations on that. Thank you. I think when I started this journey, it was more for myself as a kind of a therapeutic way to finally start diving into some of the things that I realized were affecting my life. And once it became more than about me, I really wanted and envisioned it helping others in the sense that, like you said, the experience itself may not be universal, but the feelings of despair, loneliness, anger, hurt, um, love, uh, all these different things we can all relate to in pieces and that maybe somehow that could help somebody. Have you found that has been the case so far from from reviews and responses that you've got from people that have read the book? Um, Actually, yes, I I do. I think that the information coming back to me has been, first of all, just overwhelmingly 
positive and incredible to hear because I do hear in people's words and voice that they're affected in a way that they're inspired and they feel they feel like they felt that before. Right. But they also feel hope. Mm-hmm. And so that I do believe is helping. Excellent. I mean, that's, that's one of the things I think as humans, we, we really do connect with in terms of, of art. I mean, that's one of the, the most, in, in whatever form it takes, whether it's writing, whether it's music, film, um, theater, I think one mm-hmm. of the most important integral things that we can, we can take from, from any sense of art is a sense of almost being seen, even as, as we say, the situation may not be applicable and isn't in this case because of how, um, you know, remarkable and unique it is. Uh, but the, the, the motions and the, the things that, that occur and, and sort of transpire through the experience can be relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing that I think really stood out for me in that sense, obviously I have no experience that comes close to what you went through, but there is a point, there's several points within the book, especially from like an emotional standpoint, which I did feel like there was a sense of connection to it. But there's one phrase which I pulled out in particular and that is what was done couldn't be undone, so I had to adapt. And I feel like, for me, from my perspective, that is is like the, the crux of the story of Survive, but I feel like it's also the, the sort of relatable nucleus that a lot of readers will be able to sort of be like, yes, okay, that, I, I have felt that in some way, some capacity in my life, and I think that's what will, will translate and transcend to everybody that reads it. I think from that standpoint, we, like you said, it's something that somebody, when you think about it, can feel it and Mm -hmm. know that, okay, what am I going to do with the situation? I can't change it right now. You know, I, it is what it is, but how am I going to handle it? You know, and as an individual, you know, because nobody else is going to be responsible for me, for it. And we just have to figure it out from here. I think it's really incredible that you picked that because that is truly the message I want people to, like Like I said, find is like who we are when we've come to the end of that journey. Mm-hmm. We're responsible for it. I want to say, and I, well, I want to ask, is it fair to assume that the title of the book Survive is a reference to both the, as we've called it here, the quest at the heart of the story, but also the events and, and the childhood that led you to said experience. Yes, absolutely. It actually was the only title that I ever came up with and it just stuck. I, I never right. thought of anything other than that. So when writing it, it was like you said, focused around the main event of the true survival, you know, physical survival. Right. Mm. But then as I grew, it did become more about past experiences, emotional survival, um, you know, all these different things and even going forward. And that being said, I think um, coming across in the book, I have a lot of readers who um, are young and, uh, you know, adult readers. And they're like, well, we want to know what's beyond this story. Right. And which kind of shocked me because I never thought about (laughs) going beyond that story. (laughs) But I think from an adult perspective, they're like, okay, this child, you know, is here now. Right. It came to the end of this survival. Where's that child now? What did that child become? And things like that. And so now I'm kind of having to get into a space where uh, I have to be even more vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. Because I think people do deserve to know kind of where that transition went. The failures, you know, <laughs> the, the, the successes, the different things that you know it didn't just become uh, rainbows and butterflies it, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it was a quite quite a ride you know is, is that something that you're looking to to maybe doing at some point in the future sort of continuing this and, and kind of looking at, at what comes beyond survive yeah um i had i've had such overwhelming feedback and people wanting to know yeah kind of from that perspective i do think it could help we're starting to get into more relatable subject matter in the sense that it's beyond the event. Right. And it's becoming like what we all go through in periods of our life, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, I want to help people. So if that means opening myself up to do that, I am ready to start 
talking about those things that happened after. On on that sort of topic, when did you decide that you were ready to tell this story? And and how exactly did you arrive at that point? When did the, the notion of, of writing survive become something, first of all, that you considered and then something that you decided to do? So after the event, uh, we, me or the family never spoke of it again. It was kind of like it just happened and mm-hmm. went away, you know, and you go through the motions of life. And over the years, I thought about, like, I could feel it inside, you know, just kind of stuck there almost, lodged in my chest. It just sat there, right? So I thought about writing a journal or telling the story in some written form, like, okay, I'll just do it. If I just talk about it in the in a story, I'll it'll feel better, right? Yeah. And it actually I actually thought about it for a long, long time. Almost twenty years. ever since the event happened. Right. (laughs) So, um, I actually got in an accident in 2016 and it was, uh, December and it was cold. It was obviously in the snow and it ended up causing me to have lots of flashbacks, lots of kind of just memories flooding in, you know, experiencing all the the pain, the cold and different things like that. And I was able to walk for a couple of weeks because of the injury and I realized, I'm like, well, I'm stuck in here. I have all this going through me right now. Why not just go ahead and start writing? Mm -hmm. So that's when it actually took place. So I wrote it in three days, wrote the main core of the story. It kind of just flew out of me. It was kind of a weird thing. And it was so emotional that my husband would walk in and he'd find me crying. He was, you know, he's like, are you okay? He's like, (laughs) are you in pain? I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know? And then it was so emotional that after I wrote it, I didn't pick it up again for almost a year. Wow. Is that, is that just because of of how raw reliving the experience and in such a sort of intense as you say three days that's an intense period of time to write anything but to it to write something that has has clearly left a, a sort of real indelible mark on, on you as a person and to kind of dig into that and excavate so much within such a short time is that why you just left it for a year because you were just like I, I you can I imagine you felt kind of emotionally exhausted after sort of dumping it all out on the page as it were yeah, I I think you're right. Like I think you're explaining it just right. It just it was so raw, and while I knew it was affecting me mm-hmm. throughout the years, I hadn't obviously delved into it, so I didn't realize how raw and how emotional I was still over it. Yeah, and so I think during that process, it just it really kind of threw me for a loop. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was. I literally slept. I was emotional all over the place and just kind of left it alone and just kind of moved on with my life for a while. And, you know, it wasn't until I, I, don't, I met my coach now coach and now publisher Lexi Moni that I even really thought about picking it up again. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd seen that she'd been talking to somebody about writing and about books. And I was like, Hmm. Like maybe I should start writing again and finish this book for myself, right? Right. So I messaged her and I asked her if she would consider taking a look at it and seeing how I could like offering me ways to kind of go about finishing the book without it being like it was before, where it was just so exhausting because I didn't know how to do it any other way. Right. And she was such a blessing. She's like, Yeah, send it to me and I'll take a look at it and like the next day she wrote me back and she's like, uh, you must finish this. She's like, let me help you. She was just incredible. And it just kind of took on a life of its own. And over the last two years, we've been working on it together. And that's how I was able to get it finished. Obviously, this, is, this has been such a personal journey for you. And it is such a personal story. But to kind of hand it over, that must have been kind of a, a bit of a leap in, of, of faith to hand something that vulnerable, that raw over to somebody to look at and then to get such a, a sort of reassuring response and such a sort of surge of encouragement. That must have kind of, I guess, helped you feel like, okay, this, this kind of maybe 
can do something more than just be like a, an expulsion of, of things I've been feeling for so long. Yeah, I honestly, with the experience with Lexi helping me through this process, I think for the first time I felt like I was heard, like mm-hmm. somebody heard me because everything was so internal that there was no feedback, obviously wasn't, didn't even realize I needed feedback or somebody to hear me. Right. Right. And the fact that she stuck with me through a long two year process was almost therapy in its of itself because it was somebody who believed in me so much, believed in the story that no matter how long it took or how many days it took for me to respond to a simple question, you know, (laughs) she stayed with me Mm -hmm. and let me process everything the way I needed to process things. And to me, that was a blessing in disguise. It was a bit of a miracle in my opinion. And I just, I'm forever grateful for it. I imagine that helped you also feel like you could share this with a wider audience. The fact that, that Lexi had stuck with you, as you say, for the two years and had kind of believed mm-hmm. in you and the story in itself, it must have given you uh, a higher sense of, of, of value in, in what your story could offer and kind of helped you push forward with the idea that, okay, I feel people do need to see this. In the beginning, I kind of just lived kind of, I don't know if the word's right, vicariously through Lexi because I couldn't personally envision envision how my story could help others really at the time because Mm -hmm. it was so unique in its own. Right. So I was just like, okay, I'm just going to do my part. I'm just going to keep writing. I'm just going to keep feeling and let you just do, you know, tell me what needs to be done. And, you know, having her, she was always so positive and she's like, people are going to feel this. She's like, people are going to want to know this and people are going to, you know, be inspired or feel this way or feel that way. And, it actually took me a long time to start believing that myself in all honesty. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I started kind of feeling less raw, less exposed. And that I'm like, you know what, maybe this is true. Maybe I can help somebody somewhere with this. And that kind of lit a little fire in me. You know, I've always wanted to help people in some capacity. I just didn't know what, Right. and it kind of almost opened a door for me to, Stop being about me, stop being about in the moment and just like, okay, feel what other people are going to feel and figure out how to help them in some way. Yeah. And and I generally do feel that, that this will, I, I feel, um, you know, it's, it's something that myself has, it's taken a long time to get to this point. Um, cause I used to be very guarded with a lot of stuff myself regarding like personal history and what have you. Mm-hmm. But I think. Uh, after reaching a certain point, you do begin to see, once you allow yourself to kind of dip your toe into the to the pool of vulnerability and you see that it's not maybe as deep as you thought it would be and that mm-hmm. there are other people that uh, appreciate that and, and that can be sort of, uh, I don't want to say guided because that sounds very egotistical, but kind of find some sort of sense of uh, solace or some kind of, Absolutely. or as you say, um, with with your experience with Lexi, feeling seen. And I think at, at this point in, in the world, being seen is, is of, of the utmost importance. I think no matter what the situation is, no matter what your background is, I think people just are looking to be seen, looking to be heard. And I think that if you can relay a story, no matter how unrelatable it is in terms of its, its very sort of esoteric experience, uh, if you can add a sense of universal relation in terms of emotions, in terms of family dynamics, uh, it, it can make a huge difference to people. Absolutely. And through this experience, I learned that myself. It's just that we inherently have this desire and need to be heard and seen. It's just mm-hmm. human and human nature. I think it's a gateway to healing, Yeah, you know, to for people to feel that it's... It kind of just opens you up. And to me, it's almost a physical feeling. You, Like I talked about that weight in my chest, that started to lift and go away almost immediately mm-hmm. when I recognized that, that somebody heard me, somebody seen me. Right. And that feeling just kind of evolved. And so many people need that. I want to kind of just dip back a little bit because mm-hmm. you said that after your accident that you had, you said in 2016, is that right? Mm-hmm that you kind of had 
uh, sort of flashbacks and it, it seemed to sort of open up previous events to the events that the, the book is centered around. Mm-hmm. Is that the first time really that you had thought about things at, at, at like a dense level? Was that sort of like, I guess, ripping open the lid to Pandora's box, as it were, and, and just kind of taking you back to that place for the first time? To that extent, yes. Over the last few years before that, I had been, and I found kind of a cycle where during the winter months, I was experiencing depression, um, experiencing a wide range of just overwhelming emotions, inability to take action, just things were affecting me in a way I didn't really know how or why. And I also realized I was putting myself in extreme situations where I was pushing myself Like, for example, I all of a sudden found myself running a marathon that I hadn't really trained well for, you know, (laughs) literally, you know, (laughs) and I'm like, okay, why did I do that to myself? Like, obviously, I I had a reason I wanted to help, you know, I, I did it for a cause and things like that, but I didn't prepare well enough for it. And I experienced a lot of pain and a lot of discomfort through that process, but I pushed myself really hard. And then after that, I did, and uh, it seemed like it became a yearly thing where I was pushing myself to extremes and it felt good that I completed these things, but it didn't feel good on my body or anything of the sort. And I started not liking it. I was like, right. why am I doing this? You know, but it never, it never really opened up those memories and those flashbacks to the extreme event in my life. Mm-hmm. Until that actual physical jarring, almost body breaking event. And then just having all those vulnerabilities and not being able to take care of myself, really not being able to take care of my family. And that is really what just kind of, like you said, just yeah. tore off the bandaid in a sense and yeah. let it all happen. Do you, do you feel that that has, has arisen from kind of containing the events that take place in the book and kind of putting them aside as, as, a, as that being a way of kind of moving on from it a little bit, because one thing that I noticed that I find is actually really, and, and again, very relatable in the book is, and this is like something that I personally can relate to is there are times in the book where you just want to let your emotions just burst out of you, but you can't because you have other people depending on you. You also have yourself depending on you. And it's like, if you fall apart, you are going to die and other people are going to die. So to get through and as the book suggests from the title to survive, you have to kind of holster those emotions and kind of keep them in check. Do you feel like that has translated in in the sense that you've kind of had to holster the events in the book to get you through the various stages of your life that followed? Absolutely. Um, I think that it's one of the key things that affected me probably most throughout my life Mm -hmm. is that, like you said, just kind of holding it in because you're trying to do what's best for everyone else. Right. Right. And what matters, you know, and from everything to raising children to making everyday, you know, decisions to being the best wife or husband you can be to just being a teenager, looking back on it, I feel that that is one of the most, I don't even know if I have words for it, but um, probably the most affected, the way it affected me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and to this day, I still struggle with that. That has not gone away. In a weird way, I suppose it's both a blessing and a curse, you know? As you say, it's, it's affected you, but at the same time, it's one of the main reasons that you managed to get through the events of the book, and presumably it's one of the main reasons you've managed to get through various other things. It is, for all intents and purposes, a survival mechanism, a survival tactic, mm-hmm. you know, a, a skill almost, not a skill that you purposely decided to have, right. or press, but one that has kind of been of a benefit as well as, as the occasional detriment. else that kind of came to me in in the book is that it's it's not all anguish it's not all all pain and difficulty one thing and i think what makes it such a sort of versatile read in such a short scope is that there are also moments of joy in small spaces and one moment in particular 
that really kind of stuck out for me. It's not really a spoiler. Uh, (laughs) But there's a moment where after enduring so much that you look up towards the night sky and it seems like you and your brother Paul are just in complete awe, which is incredible considering how much nature itself has kind of battered the pair of you and taken its physical toll on you. After all of that, there is a moment where you both can just look up into the night sky and just be like, do you know something? It's actually kind of amazing. And there's something kind of beautiful about that after coming after the brutality of nature that it can, can provide a sense of genuine, sincere beauty. Even with the way things transpired during that time, I have almost a, like you said, awe, a reverence for nature and the beauty of it and the way it mm-hmm. impacts me. And I, I know other people and they take the time to look at it. And they're just like, yeah. if you ever just look at something, you're like, oh my gosh, you know? But even though the circumstances were harsh and we nearly didn't make it, it, it wasn't nature's fault. Right. It's just, it just is. And if you don't take a moment to actually see beauty, see goodness and the things that are around us, I don't know if we could survive. Right. Because you need that. You need to, to find a sense of, of levity to, as, as much as, as your own personal uh, internal toughness can get you so far. You also need like that external thing to, to hold on to. And whether it is just like, yes. uh, like the night sky or it's just like a vast landscape, it's something that you can look at and be like, this is bigger than me. Mm-hmm. There are bigger things outside of what's happening right now that can, I feel can, can push you forward. But that came across very, very well in the book. And I feel like, again, it's not just, just like this story of anguish and endurance. There are, there are moments scattered throughout, but that's one that really stood out to me is like, yeah, this is, this is a great indication of, of there's a balance in the world. Mm-hmm. There is. I think in, and what I've learned is that in adversity, painful experiences, emotional experiences, if you are capable of just opening your eyes, sometimes you can also find the most beautiful and the most loving and the most, there's, there's always an opposite, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're open to that, and then you can, you can find and see those things. I wanted to talk about relationships because I think, again, outside of the fact that this is uh, a book that works on one level as a, a unique and remarkable event, as a quest, as I've taken to calling it, and I just can't <laughs> like shake that, that now. <laughs> um, it, it does open itself to, to bigger things. And one of the things that really struck me is, is that it is a really interesting look at relationships and, again, a unique look relationships because there are some pretty unique relationships that you've obviously experienced in your life and that have made it into the book i wanted to kind of like dig into the relationship with with paul that for me was one of the the center points of of the book obviously with him being older most people would have the expectations that he would be leading the charge looking after you but obviously because of his his disability it it would it fell on you Mm -hmm. to do a, a lot of the heavy lifting but it seems like throughout the book the, again, it's it's that struggle of, of sort of frustration and anger and understandable because any 11-year-old, I mean, anybody, period, just regardless of their age, shouldn't be expected to be doing that. But an 11-year-old, the shoulder that responsibility it, is understandably going to be pissed off, to put it mildly. Yeah. And so you do get the sense of frustration, you get the sense of anger, but you also get a sense of real camaraderie and chemistry. And it, it feels like it is such an an extreme sort of bonding between two siblings that maybe would never have had that opportunity to kind of get to know each other or kind of rely on each other or, or sort of form a bond like that without it. And I was just, I was curious, like how integral was it for you to kind of tap into the relationships within the book? Um, it was really hard to actually talk about the relationships in the book. And I think that actually translates and kind of comes across because I, yeah. a lot of that is in the beginning and it's almost, I can even admit a little disjointed in a way. There's so many things I'm scared to touch on, don't want to touch on, um, right. need to touch on. So 
talking and delving into the relationships was one of the most hard parts about writing this book. I think you found a really nice balance where you kind of give readers enough to know the sort of dynamics and the, the overall feeling and, and a bit of the history without going into too much detail and making it overbearing mm-hmm. or, or kind of digging into too personal of a detail. Like you, you do, it doesn't feel like it's thinly sketched. It feels like you get a good dimensional portrayal of the relationships with your family members in the book. But it, it did strike me as, as that possibly being harder to actually write about than the, the physical uh, toll of, of the, the journey. Yeah, absolutely. It was. Um, and like you were asking, books, the relationship with Paul going into it was never really like he was, he always existed. I always existed. We were brothers, we were sisters, but due to the vast difference of who we were and being young, you know, you don't really think about it, but you're like, kind of stay away from me. (laughs) Leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. Right. Obviously I don't even to this day have any grasp of what his world's like. Mm -hmm. So just being a young man, a teenager living like that. And then also now experiencing something that most people wouldn't survive on top of it. I I had to learn to be a little bit more understanding and a little bit more compassionate, especially in his circumstance. And like we kind of talked about, just be a little bit more outside myself than what was probably would have been required of me in general. Sure. I mean, a situation like that is going to pull anybody out of their, their own headspace. Yeah. <laughs> but especially when you're having to, to, to want to navigate such a treacherous circumstance and scenario, but to help somebody who needs that help, who's more vulnerable than you are, Mm-hmm. Um, so he's going to do so even more, you know, it's, it's going to really kind of pull you out of, of your own sort of ego, I guess, and in your own self-serving purposes. Do you feel like the whole experience actually brought you closer to Paul after that? Um, this is kind of one of those things that, you know, you dive into after and you look back on, but due to the circumstances, due to the way that I transitioned out of the situation, um, it mm-hmm. actually separated me from my family for quite a long time. And while I always have a deep love and affection and a connection with him that nobody else will ever have and could understand, I actually don't really have a relationship with my brother at this time, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And there will be some things we can talk about later on down the line. But, um, Life definitely wasn't easy for him after that. I mean, it wasn't easy for him in the beginning, but after that, it changed him too. You know, it wasn't just me. And so I think that'll be a subject I'll have to delve into a lot later. Well, plenty of time. (laughs) (laughs) One thing at a time, I guess. Yeah. Talking about relationships and and relationships with the the rest of your family, I may have to do some editing here, deciding on how spoilerific this gets. Um, but I'm just, I'm curious, you know, the, the way the book ends and, and you, you kind of touched upon it a little bit earlier. People are kind of, <laughs> I imagine like me, have got to the, to the end point and be like, and then what happens? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Is, is that something that you're going to be looking at touching upon at some point? I'm still like, like we kind of talked about. Yes. I do think that we need to come to a point where, I almost like, cause it, obviously when you invest into a book like that, I've done it, I've read so many books and I feel invested. I'm like, I want to know. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I owe it to almost provide a closure because <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of feel that anyways. Like when I mm-hmm. hear people say that I, I almost hear them be like, I need to know, I need to feel this closed, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, Oh goodness. Um, so pressure guys. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how best to provide that information and prepare myself because right. I'm a child and I'm now in the world of 
truly have to learn how to take care of myself as an adult. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you can imagine the amount of mistakes and uh, different things that one makes along the way. And especially considering the life that you had lived up until that point, it was it was outside of, I guess, what would be considered like standardized living for, for most children of that age. So, yeah, where we leave you in the book, it's almost like it's it's a whole new world for you that a lot of readers may take for granted because it's one that they've existed in. But yeah, looking at it through that lens would be interesting. But I think... And, and I'm sure you've come to this conclusion long before that you need to be comfortable with the material before you can even tackle it, you know? Yeah, because part of it is, and I'm just being completely honest, is that while the experience I spoke about in the book was a very personal experience, wasn't my fault. Right. Where now the experiences after are my fault, okay. right? Right. So now I have to learn to accept those mistakes and Mm -hmm. learn from them, obviously. And just it's human nature. We don't want to be wrong. We don't want to be, you know, we don't want to feel like we failed. We don't want to feel like we did the wrong things, but we do. And we did. Right. So I think that's why I'm struggling with the, okay, how am I going to do this? I know it needs to be done. I do want to talk about it, but Mm. it is now officially my fault the way things may have transpired (laughs) in my life, right? Right. (laughs) So it's like, I got to figure that out. Yeah, that's, it's not easy. It's never easy taking accountability for things where, it, you know, it could have gone better. People can easily say, well, you know, you didn't know. You were kind of put in that situation or you had to choose that situation. It's like, well, yes. In a sense, but I still made, I'm still the one that made those decisions, you know? Well, I think the fact that you actually recognize that and can admit that is, is your first step. I think a lot of people <laughs> don't ever get there. So you're already ahead of the curve in comparison <laughs> to others. You've got that going for you for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I would very much like to know what happens next, as I'm sure uh, anybody else who has read the book and, and listeners who, uh, as I say, kind of go get a copy once they've finished will no doubt have the same feeling of, Okay, but now what? Um, so <laughs> yeah. I, whenever it happens, in whatever form it takes, I'm, I'm very much uh, looking forward to it. Thank you. What are you planning on doing next? I mean, I know this is all, you're in the, literally in the midst of your release week. So it's, I imagine life is just chaos right now <laughs> with organizing stuff like talking to me and other people and then promoting and what have you. So I, I imagine you maybe don't have the most clear head at the minute but what do you plan do you plan on continuing writing and is it going to be strictly non-fiction or do you have other ideas that you want to kind of expand on into i actually feel strangely more clear-headed about where the direction i want to go than i have felt in a long time Mm -hmm. Uh, this process has made me delve deeply into why am i here what is my purpose what do I need to do, right, to make my mark on the earth to help people, mm-hmm. right? And so I actually have a pretty clear vision on how I want to do that in a sense. To answer your question, I did decide actually very recently that I am going to continue writing. And it is going to be a variation of probably in the aspect that I'll continue kind of where I left off in that book for uh, the reader's sake and talk about life and different things. But I also want to delve into some fiction, Be, mm-hmm. kind of in a sense based off of different things that I've experienced in life. I know others have experienced in life and just kind of create a fun little world of fiction through that, I guess, in a sense. So, yes, I am going to continue writing. I don't know exactly what all that looks like in depth, <laughs> but it is there. Um, as for the other thing, I have decided that. I want to kind of be a conduit or open up a space for people who maybe aren't ready to share their stories, but need to be heard, need to be seen to tell their stories like anonymously in a sense. So like they can come to me, share their story, we can work it out. And then I basically speak it out for them. And so they're going to get that feedback they need. They're going to, you know, hear what people are saying in a safe space without being exposed. 
Right, and I, f- I feel you will get a lot of good feedback from that because I think that's ultimately what holds back a lot of people talking about personal stuff is 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 that fear of being exposed of because it is difficult it is extremely difficult especially if you are still processing something that is deeply personal to you to uh, sort of open yourself up and allow yourself into that sense of vulnerability it can be incredibly freeing mm-hmm. as i'm sure you can attest to but it is also very difficult and a lot of people don't want to take that first step because because of that, because it's like I'm just allowing myself to be out there like an exposed nerve. But I think something like you're talking about there is is really good because it gives people the opportunity to do that, but without fully throwing themselves too deep in, into the pool of vulnerability. You know, they don't feel like they're going to drown. Right. It's just like testing the water and then seeing how that feels and if they feel comfortable, especially if they get feedback and they get reactions. And again, they seem like they feel like they've been seen and that, that their story is something that clicks with other people. It creates that sense of not feeling alone. Yep. That there are other people who've experienced this. There are other people who can understand this. In a world where for so long, a lot of people will have felt, I'm the only person that knows what absolutely. this is like. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. So I, I absolutely commend you for, for doing that. I think that's great. I just, like you said, I feel if I can, people hold back because of that. I feel like if we can help them jumpstart that process, then when they're ready, then people like you and I can help them then be fully transparent and visible when they're ready. You know what I mean? And I I just think that's somehow going to help somebody somewhere. I, I do for sure. I think anything that, as you say, enables or allows people to, to, to get closer to being more transparent allows them to transform into the person they, they truly can be and get past things that have maybe um, held them back from, from living a full and, and happy life, mm-hmm. um, often through no circumstances or decisions of their own. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, and it's good. I'm all about on this show, Sapphire, building people up, not tearing them down. So I love that. Absolutely. Sapphire's book, Survivor, is available now to purchase in paperback form and ebook if you're a digital reader. Where can people find it? I know it's on Amazon, but is it anywhere else people can get hold of it? Yeah, um, it is on Amazon. It's on the publisher website, Courage Publishing, and I believe it's leximony.com. And then it's also on the Google Play Store. I'm not sure if it's anywhere else yet. I'll have to confirm that with my publisher, but it mm-hmm. may eventually be out on. Um, iTunes and things like that. Wow, exciting! Right? Yes. It's got to be <laughs> exciting to see it getting getting the availability and, and out there for people. Yeah, it's been an absolute joy having you on, Sapphire. I, I loved reading the book. Um, I'm really pleased you agreed to do this, uh, and I'm really pleased that you uh, found a place where you were comfortable to tell this story because it is, as I said, unique and remarkable. But at the same time, despite it being uh, unique and remarkable and sort of you know an experience very few people will have there's a lot in there that i think people will get from it i appreciate that and thank you so much for having me on I really appreciate it So there you go, guys. That was me talking with Sapphire about what is just is mind boggling to think that was an actual thing that happened to anybody, let alone an 11 year old. To get the full story, to find out just what it was like. I mean, as close as what it was like that you can possibly get without thankfully having to go through something like that. You do need to get the book. As I said at the top of the show, it is a quick, gripping read. And it is a remarkable, crazy story. The book is available where Sapphire mentioned. I'm going to be putting links in the show notes for this episode. So if you want to do that, you want to take the cheat codes of the internet, I guess, then head over to dimed-out.com and I will have already got all of the stuff you need to get a copy sorted for you. In the show notes, I will also leave links to Sapphire's social media stuff so you can go follow her, ask her questions, which I'm sure you've just got plenty of, whether you've listened to this or you've read the book or both. I'm sure you have got so many things you 
would like to ask and you can also follow what she's going to be doing in the future as well yeah definitely going to be keeping an eye on what she does from this point on on the topic of following and supporting people if you want to do that for us if you want to show us a bit of love then the best way you can do that is by subscribing and you can do that so easily we are available pretty much wherever you get your podcast from just search for dimed out and click subscribe that's it right easy peasy lemon squeezy it's one click of a button you get all the episodes sent to your device automatically you never miss out and you don't have to do anything else it's the internet doing its magic speaking of magic by the way that's the sound of my wife who's just come in here crunching on an ice pop it's it's the middle of december as i'm recording this that's right you go and laugh it up for us ball this is texas is that so what that just constitutes having a nice pop in december I don't even know how that works out, but sure, fine. It's nice, it's tasty, it's fruit punch, it's delicious, as some may say. Um, but yeah, that's the best way to go show support. Not giving us a nice pop, although that is pretty supportive and kind. Thanks. Especially these expensive organic ones. Oh, oh we got the fancy kind, huh? Wow. Yes. Spare no expense when it comes to ice pops. Living it up. Yeah, it's the little things. It is indeed. Outside of subscribing and buying me fancy organic ice pops, you can, of course, show a little bit more love for the show if you want to. It is completely optional, as I say each time I talk about this, which I do admittedly feel a little bit bad about. But hey, sometimes you just got to shuck and jive, right? Sometimes you just got to do that dance. But we do have a Patreon account. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash dimed out. One single tier one tier five dollars a month and for that five dollars you get quite a bit you get an extra episode you get a bonus live stream q a slash hangout slash let's talk about whatever you want to talk about you get access to the official dimed out discord channel which we can also talk about whatever you want you can throw in suggestions and ideas for future shows all sorts of good stuff and more go to the patreon page if you are interested again it is completely optional and if you are a member then thank you very much. If you're not a member, don't worry, don't, don't worry. I still like you quite a bit. Maybe not as much as the others, but still quite a lot. Anyway, that's about it for this week's episode. Next week, I am not that far ahead, so I honestly can't tell you what's coming around the corner, but it's going to be good. It's going to be cool. It's going to be fun and funky and exciting. It's going to be fresh. Or at the very least, in probably more realistic terms, it's going to be above average, you know. So, on that note, until next week, look after yourself, guys, look after each other, and until whatever comes down the pike next week, keep it dimed out. (laughs) 